Our scripture reading for today comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the living word of God for us today. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to open them. We are in our study through the book of Colossians, and we are in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. We are picking up a continuation of Paul's thought that he began in verse 8, 8 through 10. Rob Sweet taught that last week. I'll remind you, at the core of what he said there, Rob said it this way. Paul is saying, don't exchange the fullness of life in Jesus that is yours for empty philosophies of this world. Don't do it. If I said it another way, and Paul has been saying this throughout the letter, I'd say this, all that... All that you need, you have in Jesus. How many of us would, and again, I'm I'm, I'm gonna have you raise your hand. I'm just gonna tell you, that's true. (laughs) Not, do you believe it's true? I'm just gonna tell you, it's true. You, You may not believe it's true, but it's what the Bible teaches. All that we need, we have in Jesus is a fact. Now, let me ask you this question. That being true, this is, this is not a trick question at all, okay? Last service I asked a question, it was just total crickets, and oftentimes it's because I just ask questions the wrong way. So I'm gonna try and ask this one the right way. If, if, if everything we need is in Jesus, and we have it in Jesus, okay, when did we get it? When did you get all of Jesus and all that you need in Jesus? When did that happen in your life? When? When we accepted Christ, thank you. When we believed, when we trusted, that's exactly right. At the moment of belief, at the moment when we said, I I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried in risk. I trust that what Jesus did, he did for me. Let me say this again. You got all there is to get because you got Jesus in his fullness. Now, Here's what this means, and, and track with me on the, on the logic on this for a moment as we introduce this text. And I'm gonna read this because I wanna get it clear as I can. From the moment of your salvation to the moment of your death, God will not do anything greater, more profound, more life-giving, more miraculous, more significant, more life-transforming than all he did at the moment you put your trust in Christ. I'm gonna read it again. I want you to think about this. From the, you know, there's a moment in time where you, if you're in the room and you've trusted Christ, that you trusted Christ and all that God did, God did in that moment. From that moment until the day you die, okay, and step into eternity, 
God will not do anything greater, more profound, more life-giving, more miraculous, more significant, more life-transforming than all that he did the moment you put your trust in Christ. Well, there's one clap and just a little few. Let's see if we can. Let's see. That was funny. I mean, I'm glad you clapped. Not funny in that way. I'm glad. Because it's true. And, and, and what I want you to, to feel in this is the, is the glory and the weight of that. And here's the implications that, that I'm trying to get us to. Paul is saying, you don't get any more than what you got, okay? That, that, uh, now, now you go, wait, Lord, there, I, I have more experiences of, of, of my growth deepens. Yes, you get, you're getting more, but can I tell you what you're getting more of? What you're experiencing more of, which is the Christian life experiencing more of? You're experiencing more of what's already yours. <laughs> that is the Christian life, and that's Christian maturity. And it means this. I don't know, you know, I don't know where everyone is spiritually, emotionally, relationally, uh, in life, uh, physically right now, but I know these two things are true. There's no one in the room that's not, that's not facing some struggle, challenge, difficulty, loss, pain. There's no one in the room that's not in need of some measure of encouragement and hope. That's, that's a fact, because we're fallen. Um, that's, that, that is true. But here, here is what else is true, if I can say this. For if you know Jesus, okay, if you've put your trust in Jesus, I want you to know this. Your hope today and, and that things, your trust that things are gonna work out, your, your confidence and hope in, in, in uh, this brokenness and in this loss and in this pain, there is nothing in your future, okay, that, that's gonna be added to get you through this. It's already yours. Is everybody with me on that? And, and the reason I keep kind of going back here is I want us to go back to that moment of trust and moment you put your faith in Christ and the measure to which we live with hope today, like right now, if you have any measure of hope and, and, and hope for tomorrow, the measure with which we have that hope is absolutely tied to the measure with which we, we reckon that what happened when I trusted Christ really happened, and it's mine today. So there's a strange sense in which when we, when we're, when we need hope, we don't look forward in a sense. You all, we look back. We look back at the reality, not just of our salvation, but you notice what's on stage? The reality of the cross. That's the ground for our hope. Now, I say that to bring us to this text. Uh, Paul tells us at least three things that happened, okay? When you believed. And these three things, I'm gonna t I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, look, when you believe these three things happen, but I'm going to show you that these three things happened because these three things happened at the cross some 2,000 years ago. Everybody with me? Three things, I'll repeat them as I go through it. Uh, verses 11 and 12, we'll start there. The first thing is this. I'm going to read the passage and I'll tell you what it is. It'll say it here. Notice, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, 
having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Men and women, the moment you put your trust in Christ, you were circumcised. Now, do you know, no one gets to heaven unless they're circumcised. How about that for an invitation at church, you know, at the end of this? <laughs> Look, if anyone's interested in being circumcised, I want you to come forward and we're gonna talk to you, you know. That's why I brought this bag today, you know, that we're gonna talk about. Well, here's what we note about this circumcision. It says it was made without hands. It says it is a putting off of the body of flesh, and it says it is by the circumcision of Christ. Let's take a bit of an Old Testament survey, because we need to understand, what's he, what's he talking about, this circumcision? Let's go to the Old Testament and, and where this comes from. When God made a covenant with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, it's why we're Christians today, because God made a promise to Abraham that through him, he would give him a land, he would make a people, a nation, and that nation would be a blessing to the world. And this is the nation through whom Jesus came. And in that Abrahamic covenant, God said to Abraham, uh, as a sign of this covenant, I want you to circumcise all the males in your lineage. Eight days old, babies were circumcised. Abraham at that time, at, at that age. Uh, he was circumcised. Circumcision, uh, you know, there's a lot of silliness we could do around this. I'll try and steer, steer clear of it. But um, it is the removal of the foreskin of the male penis. That's what circumcision is. I don't want you to miss this. The Bible doesn't want us to miss this. It is a removal of flesh. It is a removal of of flesh at, at its basic physiological uh, experience. It's spiritually much, much more. Now here's where I want you to track with me. In Genesis 15, Abraham believes God and God, it says, reckons him as righteous. See, this is, this is salvation, it's always by faith. Someone came to me after the last service, a young man had a great question. What about Old Testament saints? How were they saved? Old Testament saints are saved by faith in God, okay, what God had revealed up to that point. So Abraham believed God by faith and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15. It's not till Genesis 17, okay, that God says now, as a sign of this covenant of made, circumcise all the males among you. Now, do you, do you see the timeline here? He's declared righteous here. Circumcision comes afterwards. You all, circumcision was never a sign of righteousness. Think about that. It was never like, oh, you're circumcised, you're righteous. There's never in God's eyes was a person made righteous by circumcision. Never will be. The fact is, God gave this right of circumcision to point toward a greater circumcision that's required of every human being. And I said this earlier, you don't get to heaven unless you're circumcised. And you go, well, how, well how's that gonna happen? First, I want you to hear God's heart. Like, I'm not making this up. This is what God has, from, from, from before time began, this was his intent. Listen to these words, Deuteronomy 10, 16. All these verses will be on, on the website, so I'm gonna move quickly. Deuteronomy 10, 16. Circumcised, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Well, I thought circumcision was the male penis. Well, no, no, God's 
taking that to point to, you need your heart circumcised. What's the heart? Thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. As we know here, wholehearted life in Jesus is our whole heart, the essence of who we are. And God says, your whole, the core of who you are needs to be circumcised. What do you mean? It needs, the flesh needs to be removed from it. What do you mean? The, the sin needs to be removed from your heart. Deuteronomy 30, verse six, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. How about that? God will circumcise your heart. This is all Old Testament. It's Deuteronomy. Jeremiah 4, 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah. Let me say to the ladies in the room, in all seriousness, you go, well, what about the women? You know, the the boys were circumcised. In that culture, what was done to the boys, to the males, stood for the whole. Okay, this is is just a cultural fact. So that, that circumcision covered the whole family and the tribe. So here's the, here's the thing. God commands, you, you need to have your, you know, you've gotten your male organs circumcised, but listen, that's just pointing to a deeper circumcision that's required. So you need to circumcise your hearts. And quite frankly, you know, you, they would, and God's intent even in commanding it is for them to go, we can't. And so when you get to this place where God commands something that you can't do, what's your option? Go to the God who commanded it and trust him to do it. And in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you see, this is what Paul is saying. Your heart has been circumcised. Wow. So when I put my trust in Christ, I was circumcised. Yes. This is the new heart that was promised in the, for the new covenant. I wanted you to see this visually, and, and so I do have some stuff. This is my Peru bag that our Peru friends have given me. You see, what, what, what the Old Testament, what circumcision was pointing to was that in our, you know, I'm holding it here because we say this is the essence of who we are, the heart, according to the Bible. Our hearts, you all, are dead and dark. Ear, uncleanable from sin. You can't wash it out. It's gotta be removed. It's gotta be removed, you all. How does does it get removed? By the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, as, as we read here, our... All that, you, all that you were before you come to faith in Christ, in our fallenness, you see, Paul says in Romans that, that it's been nailed to the cross. This is what he's describing here. And so I'm coming to this cross, and this is why this is up here, and I'm going to take our, all who we were, our fallen heart before we trust Christ, when Jesus died on the cross, Paul is saying that that part of us, that it was nailed to the cross. Now, fundamentally, I want you to see this, okay? Because this has such implications and we're gonna talk more about this in Colossians. So it's gonna raise some tensions for you, but this. 
If you've put your trust in Christ, you are no longer who you were. You, who you were was nailed to the cross with Jesus, you see. You're not who you were. And you go, well, why do I still sin? Well, we're gonna get to that in Colossians. You still have this principle of sin that remains. Let's, let's stop with that. I wanna continue in the passage. Notice as well, verse 12, he ties this to baptism because he goes right into this circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Here's the question. Is he talking about physical baptism? Is he talking about, so like, so you, when you get baptized in your baptism, that's when your old, all that you were before knowing Christ, that's when it was nailed, that's when it is, is, is applied to your life when you're baptized. I want to suggest, well, that's absolutely not true. And I wanna say when he says baptism here, there's a lot of confusion. There's not a lot of agreement on is he talking about water baptism or is he talking about spirit baptism? I'm taking the middle ground, but I'm leaning towards, quite frankly, from what I've studied, it, 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 I wanna say, and this works, and it, could, it can work the other way. But I think he's describing here spirit baptism, okay? Now, why do I say that? Well, notice that he's, you know, in spirit baptism, we've talked about this before, that is when the Holy, when you put your trust in Christ, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I'm trusting you, Lord Jesus. When you do that, the Holy Spirit, you are baptized by the Spirit, meaning it is the Spirit that places you in the body of Jesus. Remember two weeks ago, I talked about this. Not like you're placed in, like you're a tool placed in a toolbox. No, it's you're a branch that is grafted into the true life of the vine. It's an organic connection. That's spirit baptism. And it happens the moment that you believe. And I think he's talking here about spirit baptism because he moves from that removal of the flesh in spiritual circumcision and he turns to the, the whole book is around this, but to the, the connection that we have with Jesus. We are organically connected to Jesus. And if we're organically connected to Jesus, here's his point. Then when Jesus was crucified, you were crucified. And that when Jesus was buried, you were buried. And when Jesus rose from that grave, you rose from that grave. And you go, that was 2,000 something years ago. I wasn't even there. No, you weren't. But in God's eyes, you see, at the moment you put your faith in Christ, whether it's 2020 or 2030, whenever it was in life, in that moment, all that Christ did is credited to you and you are placed into the actual reality of what Christ did on the cross, okay? I shouldn't say actual reality. The spiritual reality of what Christ did on the cross. Is this making sense? You see, we're, we're, we're in Christ. And this is what he says here. Now, could you see uh, um, water baptism in this? Well, yeah, why, why couldn't we see water baptism in it? Because, because why? Because water baptism is a picture, right, of our salvation. 
So that in water baptism, we're put under the water, dead. We're raised to walk in newness of life. This is a picture of our salvation. We were buried with him and we were raised with him, which means we live in him right now. So I wanna, I'm gonna move off of this because there's two others I wanna get to. We were, just note this, you know, when you put your faith in Christ, you were circ- we were circumcised, a spiritual circumcision, a removal of all that we were before we trusted Christ, nailed to the cross. Secondly, we were forgiven. We were forgiven. Look at 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This record of debt, he set aside. Where did he put it? Nailing it to the cross. You know, this, it, it, I'd go to Ephesians to, to tap into this, but a reminder to us, Ephesians tells us that before we trust Christ, uh, we were dead in our sin. Dead people can't make themselves alive. A dead person, quite frankly, is hopeless. And this is why the gospel is good news, you all. Because, you know, in deadness, separated from God, we believe the scripture teaches that a dead person, that we don't have the capacity to have faith in God. Oh my gosh, we, we, don't, we don't stand a chance then, do we? No, we don't. Unless God takes the initiative to step down and birth life in us, to open our eyes, to go, wow, I do believe the gospel. And in that way, do you see that our salvation, you all, is all of God? This is grace. You know, our understanding of scripture is not that, you know, everyone, everyone has, you, you know, if you'll read it long enough, if you'll study it, I mean, quite frankly, you'll get it. No, you won't, unless God opens your eyes. That's grace, because we're dead in our sin and trespasses. What are sin and trespasses? All of, all of our violations of God's moral law. The way Paul describes it, and it's, it's an interesting way that he says it, he says it's a record of debt. Um, literally in the Greek, you all, it would, they would picture an IOU, handwritten. Like, like it's the idea is that they've written parchment, I, I owe you, and I've written all the debts I owe you in my own hand, and I signed it on the bottom, and, and I go, look, I, I owe you this. That's the record of debt. And what's the legal demand on the record of debt? Well, according to the Bible, the wages of sin is death. So, so the debt I have to pay uh, can only be paid by death. Now, here's, here's where I just want to think about the, the gospel and the good news. See, you can try to pay for your debt in this way, okay? Uh, you can die. <laughs> And by golly, I just want you to know you're gonna. And, uh, 
But here's, the, here's the, the problem. Our offense is against a holy, eternal God. So yes, we're all gonna die, but when you die, uh, what the Bible says is, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, then, you, then since you can't satisfy an eternal debt, you will suffer eternally apart from God in hell. That, that's what the Bible says. So if, 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 you, if, you don't, if you wanna try and pay your debt, this is where you're, well, you'll end up forever. Or the Bible says that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, so the, the, the good news, which is what gospel means, is that, that God sent his son to die in our place. Now, because Jesus was God, he, he can satisfy the penalty eternally, so to speak. He can fully satisfy the penalty of death. And indeed he did, for on the cross he was separated from his father. So now you have a choice, like, well, I can try and pay my own debt, you know, and, or I can trust that Jesus paid it for me. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus paid the debt we never could. Now, I want you to notice as he says this, he says he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, you must die. And he set it aside, that is he removed it. The idea he's saying here is he nailed it to the cross. It has been obliterated. What, what's been obliterated? Your record of sins. So here I've got something else I'm gonna show you. And since it's kind of like a scroll that they would have, I've got these two little scrolls, <laughs> adding machine tape, quite frankly. Um, but let's just say, you know, that all of my sin has been recorded on these. And um, I thought about it long and hard and thought, you know, two will take it. Two's fine. But, you know, uh, I don't know how many you need. I don't know. I think the room would be filled to the rafters, right, if we recorded all of them. But it's all written down. It's all just every sin, just written, it's recorded, recorded, recorded against us. And what the passage is saying to you and I is, is that when Jesus died, all of our debt, right, was nailed to the cross. All of our sin was nailed to the cross. It's, by the way, I'm gonna ask you this question. I want you to think about it. All our sin nailed to the cross. Why would I nail those, why would I nail the, all that we were apart from God, this blackened heart, why would I nail it where I did and why would I nail all of our sins, the record of our sins, it's this legal debt here. Why would I nail them where I nailed them on the cross? This is not a trick question, just think about it. Why would I nail them where, that, where I nailed them? It's where the nails were. Yes, where the nails were. No, here's why, I want you to think about this. Because it's easy for us to think sometimes, you know, well, you know, I'm just gonna nail this to the cross somewhere. No, 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 no. See, here's what the picture is. When he says it's nailed to the cross, it's nailed to Jesus, you all. It's not just nailed to two pieces of wood. It's been put on Jesus. He, he, it goes so far as to say in the Bible this, somewhat shocking, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. P. 
Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus himself bore our sins. Listen, in his body, he became sin for us that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Oh my. Let's move on. I'm gonna say this, at conversion, at the moment you trust Christ, you are spiritually circumcised. The moment you trust Christ, you are totally, fully, finally, completely forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future. It was in, it was in Jesus' body. And he was buried, men and women. He took the payment. He was separated from God so we would never have to be. And there's a third thing, verse 15. Look at it with me. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That him, by the way, could be in the cross. What would the original reader see when they read that statement? Let me tell you what they would see. It, what we would... What, it would be like us thinking about a ticker tape parade in New York City. That's what they would see in verse 15. Here's how it, was, here's how it happened, literally. You know, Roman generals go off and they fight for years. They don't, the, the people of Rome don't know what's going on you know, in this war that's happening thousands of miles away. But when that general would return victorious, having conquered so many people, uh, they would have a parade thrown for them. And it would go on for days, okay? This is recorded in antiquity. And so what would happen is everyone would come out, massive ticker tape parade, and the first part of the parade would just be wagon upon wagon and chariots and full of all the spoils of war. So it's like all this stuff that those people had that we just conquered, look, it's all ours now. And then after that would come the general dressed in his attire. All the pomp and circumstance you can imagine, like, you know, in the, what's the picture that people are seeing? We're great. We're victorious. We're the kings, you know, so to speak. And then the third thing that would come in the parade would be this long line of defeated rulers and authorities. So the king of that country and the prince of that country and the authorities and that, they would be in the line and they are totally disheveled, stripped of their uniforms, disarmed, clothes taken off, some you know, naked and chained and bedraggled and brought along back here and everyone can look at them and go, we win, you lose, you know. We're victorious. You've been defeated. That's the picture. And so Paul is saying here that God, in Christ Jesus, disarmed, took the clothes off of, okay, rulers and authorities. Probably in this context, spiritual beings. As he says in verse eight, spirits of the world, Satan, and his demons disarmed and put to shame. Now, here's what's so beautiful about the gospel. When Satan 
you know, influence those who nailed Jesus to the cross. You know, the demonic world was, was, was cheering what at that moment? At the moment of the cross, what are they cheering? We won, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, victory. And what we know of the gospel is Jesus, by his death, defeated death. So Jesus, in dying, in other words, Satan brought, you know, Satan's greatest weapon against us, ultimately, men and women, is death. So he brought the nuclear bomb, not realizing that he dropped it on himself. Because Jesus sinless rose from the grave. Oh, wait, that means when I believed in Christ, I rose with him, exactly. Never to have to suffer separation from God. Ever, ever, ever. By death, Jesus conquered death. And we, you see, in Christ are declared victorious. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, you don't have to clap. But that's the truth. That's a fact. Now, here's, you know, the Christian life is so strange, you know, in so many ways. And I want you to think about this. This is kind of weird, you know, but go with me for a moment. Um, it's sort of like this. Imagine there's just some weird time warp, you know, and we can do this in movies and that Beatles movies was one of those. I didn't get to see it, but you know, where everybody didn't even know the Beatles and this guy doesn't. But imagine this, imagine, okay, I don't know if y'all know this, but there's a football game this afternoon. <laughs> there is a game. And um, imagine though, it's not the AFC championship between the Titans and the Chiefs. Imagine that it is the divisional playoff game against Baltimore that was played last week. Just stay with me. What, what happened? What was the outcome of last week's game? We won. We won. Okay, so we won. Now, but imagine that that, that game is now going to be played today. And so when, when we're watching it today, you know, we can watch that game. And when, Lamar, when it's third and 19 and Lamar Jackson runs for 30, what are we going to do? Are we going to, are we going to get worried? You know, it's like, well done. <laughs> well done, Lamar. Or, you know, we get penalized, bad call. Are we going to get mad at the refs? Good try, you know? No, because we would watch that game. We would watch it with this sense of, we win. I know it looks bad right now, but I know how it ends. So this is what happens in Christ, y'all. And I know some of us are facing some life difficulties right now that are about to take you under and down. And quite frankly, they may take you under and down. But that's not the end. The end is we win. I know, Lloyd, but everyone's gonna die. Exactly. And when death comes, we win. <laughs> We win. There is nothing that can stop that victory because it already happened. And we live from it. We live in it today. Confident that he disarmed rulers and authorities. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Where's that come from? It's based out of the work of Christ on the cross. With that... Let us take ourselves 
to the table, the table, which reminds us of this great work of Christ. I'm gonna ask the ushers if they would begin passing the elements for the table. And I'm gonna ask the band to come back out because after we take this table, we will sing a song. If you have placed your faith in Christ, would you take the bread and the cup and join us in this table, this feast of the gospel? And uh, I want you to hold the bread in the cup, okay? And we're gonna take it together in just a few moments. And I want you to ponder this picture because that's where Paul has taken us this morning. For those of you in the room who've trusted Christ, and, and what I mean by, you know, you have at some point in your life, you've put your faith in Christ. You, you said to God in your, in your heart, in all that you are, you said, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and he rose three days later and God, I'm turning to you away from myself and turning to you and saying, I believe he did it for me. If that's, tr you know, that's true of you, and if that's true of you, then it would, I would say to you today, you know, continue to believe it. Are you experiencing the fullness of all that that is? This is my question for those who are Christians. And let, let me just so you know, when I ask myself that question, do you know what my answer is? No. Because I'm, I, I still sin, you know? I, I, I still don't have faith. I still don't trust sometimes. So, so in these moments, this is why we gather so we can get with one another and say, look, I know it's hard, but let's believe because this is what's true. We do it as a community. So I want to encourage you. Take these moments at this table to remind yourself what's true. Whether you feel it or not, what's true? I've been circumcised. I am totally forgiven. And in Christ we win. That's what's true. If you are in the room, if you're you know, watching online and you've never placed your faith in Christ, I'm so glad you're hearing this message. And may I say this to you? The fact that you're hearing this message means God is presenting you, God is at work, just the fact that you're hearing it. And if there's anything in you, because all of us who place our faith in Christ, listen, it doesn't, it, it's not because we're smarter. It's because God in his grace opened our eyes. And so right now, you may be listening to this and you go, that, I, don't, I never thought of before, but it makes sense. I can't pay for my sin, or if I do, I'm gonna spend it apart from God in hell. Jesus, I wanna trust you and believe. I'm telling you, if that's crossing your mind, it's only because God is opening your eyes. And so I wanna say to you, believe today. Put your trust in Christ. Let's stand together with the bread and the cup in our hands. May I lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, some 2,000 years ago, you lived the perfect life. And it's a life we can't live. 
and you died a death that was our death and you died it because our, our darkened hearts were nailed to you. And the record of our sin, every sin, past, present, and future, was nailed to your body and you became sin. And you paid the penalty in full because you're the God-man. And you endured separation from the Father so that we would never have to face that. Your body indeed was broken for us. And your blood poured out the life of the body, blood. Yours, not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of the Holy Son of God. Mm. For us. Oh God, in these moments, we say thank you. Remembering the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Remembering the moment we trusted that it is all credited to us. And even this, as Paul said, we are in taking this table, proclaiming the truth that one day Jesus is coming back and he will set all things right. With gratitude, we receive this table Take the bread and drink the cup now. How good to go from the table to song. We're gonna sing a song and it is not even gonna mention the word cross. But as we sing it, may we be reminded of this. There is nothing we will sing in this song that was not secured for us by the cross and Jesus. And may that fuel in a sense, as Luke reminded us earlier, our adoration and gratitude to God.